Well, good morning, everyone. It's Friday. It's a little dreary out. That's okay. My name is Adele, and this is the Art and Rural Knowledge Podcast. So I thought I would just ramble on a little bit. I'm going to advocate for the wood stove right now. Last week, we lost our power. We lost our power for a good three days during the weekend, and uh, we don't have a wood stove. We have electric heat. Um, We were very cold. It is winter, and... um, Luckily, actually, it wasn't that cold outside. Uh, It was fairly mild, thank goodness. We were able to survive. We were just pretty uncomfortable. But in any case, when we used to live in Earltown, and Earltown is this little community between Tro and Tatamagush, it's a pretty magical place. And we had this little house. You know, it wasn't much, but it had this massive... Uh, Carmack wood stove and that wood stove made that house the greatest place to be in the winter time and I look back on that house very very fondly um, because of that wood stove I mean if the power went out we were fine Uh, we were golden you could cook a pot of chili on top of it Uh, it kept you warm it didn't matter if it was dark you were okay. It was the heart of the house. And I just really have a soft spot for wood stoves. I keep thinking about it and I keep thinking about how ridiculous last weekend was and how ridiculous it is that we don't have a wood stove. We've been considering a heat pump. Lots of people recommend them. Uh, They are efficient. I'm sure that they are wonderful. But you know what? No, not for me. I want a messy wood stove in my house Uh, and I don't care because the power goes out the power could go out I mean if the power went out for like what if the power went out and it was like really cold outside like minus 20 outside no I'm not gonna do that that's crazy it's like way too much of a risk Um, the other thing you know that we might consider too is a generator because losing everything in our freezer is terrifying to me I mean that's like it's a huge investment what's happening in our freezer right now. We raise chickens in the spring uh, and they're all in the freezer now. Adam, my partner, hunts. So, I mean, we've got bear and rabbit, all kinds of stuff um, in that freezer. And it would be horrible to lose it all. I mean, that's like, that's all of our food, right? For the winter. We don't typically um, buy meat from the grocery store. I mean, Once in a while we will, but for the most part, a lot of our meat protein, well, most of our meat protein comes from what Adam hunts. So it would be terrifying to lose that. Anyway, I guess last weekend just made me think a lot about how we are so dependent on (laughs) the electricity. And when there's a big storm and the power goes out, you know, how can we be more ready Because I don't feel like we were ready. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I just felt like we were getting soft or something. (laughs) Like, I think when you have a wood stove and you are actively putting in the labor to keep your house warm, um, then you're so much more aware of it. And you're totally prepared. You're totally ready. You're like, yeah, I dare the power to go out. But when 
you just have electric heat and it you know you don't even think about it yeah i just anyway i feel like we're getting soft something's gonna change wood stove generator solar panels i don't know what uh what do you all do to get ready to prepare for when the power's out? Am I just being a wuss? Maybe. I don't know. So ridiculous. We were pretty cold. We were pretty uncomfortable. But anyway, well, I hope all of you out there, if your power was out last weekend, I hope that you weren't too cold. I hope that you weren't too sad. And I hope that you are uh, sufficiently recovering this week. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling on, but uh, for but for today, I wanted to play for you the rest of my conversation with illustrator and environmental educator Emily Kane. A little bit more information about Emily that I didn't share from last week. She's currently working with the Get the Town Growing Community Initiative to develop learning aids based around gardening accessibility in Antigonish. Her recent work includes a commission for Eastern Region Waste Management, creating a domestic scene installation from repurposed landfill materials. She is the artistic director of the nationally recognized Antigonite Art After Dark Festival. So this is a, a nighttime contemporary art festival that happens in Antigonish in September. She's also the administrator for the Antigonish Cultural Live Arts Council and sits on the board of directors for the ASAP Artist Run Center and the Antigonish Women's Resource Center. So needless to say, Emily is a busy woman. And I was so pleased to be able to sit down with her last week and have her share with me a conversation about her art and what it's been like to move to a rural place um, from a city center. It was really wonderful. I hope that you all enjoyed last week and that you enjoy this week as well. But yeah, it was like a long couple years or a short maybe, I don't know. Yeah, we're having, yeah we like had a baby during the time of building a house, so that was maybe not the best decision. <laughs> yeah, my dog passed away, my companion dog. That was sad times, but um, yeah, a lot of things happened in that two years. That's for sure. We also, you know, got to bury him with us at least. That was Mm. extremely special. Yeah, that was something cool that we would not have had in urban setting. For sure. Rowan was almost 13 years old. Being new to home setting, that's interesting, is that you have to do so many things in trial and error. Like my garden last year. My God. Yeah, and it's so it's like you have to hedge your bets on what you think you'll be able to accomplish versus start up for any kind of new activity or mm-hmm. venture on the property. If we want to do bees, it's a significant investment in our world, financially yeah. at least. No, absolutely. And so it's like, okay, bees, okay, maybe we should just do a very um, large garden with that money or maybe we should do chickens or... Yeah, so any, like, new skill that you add to your belt, you have to weigh the startup costs of it. One of the things that's really tricky, too, is that not taking on so much that you get, like, it's so easy to get so excited about, like, the space and what you can do with it, and to then to get in over your head just time management wise with all of the things <laughs> like yeah, I don't there's sure. not enough hours in the day when we take on a new project often another project will go by the wayside <laughs> so we used to make you're like hmm, let's see yeah we used to make wine and beer 
Uh, and then we started raising chickens. And since we started raising chickens, we haven't made one or beer barely because it's like one time commitment takes over the time that you would use for another. So oh, for sure. but it's only like a, really a day or two of prep and then. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy. It's, so it's easy. more just organizing. About it and, yeah. Or, yeah, organizing the time. Doing the prep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's dead easy. The mental prep. Yeah, for sure. We have all the gear. We just don't. We just like we have everything for wine and beer. We just don't do it anymore. We just and it's partially it's the one thing I find too about space and planning your space is uh, when you see your tools, you'll use them. Uh-huh. And our like beer stuff is just tucked away under the stairs, and That's we don't see it, and then we don't use it. And and I find that the same with That's huge. That's with yeah tiny with art. Yeah. They're just like hidden places. Like. If your tools are out, you'll use them. It's true. And that fa- for sure factors into remembering to plan things with a tiny house. And then just having the space to be like, I don't want to put my sewing machine away. I'm going to use it in two hours. Yeah, or two weeks, but I still yeah. want to put it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel that we have not enough space. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of hobbies, so without an outbuilding that makes it hard yeah absolutely yeah so the bus is pretty much a workspace now mm. yeah like you could say like being able to see things would be nice yeah yeah <laughs> it's so tricky though because i mean i you want to be able to live in a small space or a smaller space because it is just way more efficient yeah um but then how do you yeah how do you manage that space so you can still kind of yeah the organization in, in this house has been trial and error just like any of the other skills I guess I mean Ben and I are used to living in small spaces and organizing our things because we both like to collect objects <laughs> and and see value in objects you know that might be thrown by the wayside so but it was still a skill to and we're still doing it I mean we just moved that hutch and that bureau and just you know <laughs> always kind of reorganizing kind of retrying things and redesigning how we use the space. Like, what else can I say about art and, and rural culture? I don't know. I thought I would do more art, maybe. No, I guess did, I'd probably... Did you think you'd make make more, be making more, or, like, yes. be more prolific? I think I would thought I would be making more art. But I'm really busy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I am yeah. interested in exploring outdoor art a lot more, actually, than sitting and drawing little pictures. I have noticed that my surroundings are affect my art in the way that because I have all this space outside around me I want to make more outdoor art mm-hmm. than desk art let's say yeah like the studio versus you know that <laughs> this kind of endless open mm-hmm. yeah space. And material goldman mm-hmm. you want to look at it like that the world wants you to like say I'm a painter I'm mm-hmm. a drawer I'm a whatever but it's funny because there are so many women, female artists that do multitask, even in the art world. Even like they're multitaskers, <laughs> and then in their art, there are multitaskers now. Yeah, land art versus versus natural building is interesting to me. What kind of natural building have you done? Um, straw build more than anything else. And is this like so? The ins- you build the structure with the straw bill, and then it's sort of plaster on one side, and yeah. Like how, like you pass um, it most sides. Yeah, yeah, I know that's what uh, like in the future I like to teach, but just to have like sites of like way back over there down that trail, there's yeah. like a platform with a yurt on it, and then like way over there, there's a, a cordwood shop. Yeah, you know this type of thing, 
and then use the whole property. So there's a school in Vermont that I went to and like they have like their little outbuildings so like this one's got a tiny like tiny little buildings like and they have them all over the property. They built them in the classes then they charge you to like stay in them when you're there which is fine they need accommodations yeah. anyway yeah but it's like you got people to pay to like make them in the class like with you under your guidance like the whole class makes a small little cabin but then it like becomes part of the the facilities mm -hmm. so that's pretty smart <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah that's what i'm all about right now but it's it's interesting how those skills that are lost are held at such a high commodity now yeah you know definitely. if you want to go to a root school you're not looking at a daily swim pass you yeah <laughs> you're like looking for expensive things and that's interesting the exclusivity of some homesteading knowledge now that it's lost yeah that's a tough topic. I guess I never thought of that but it, it's true in a lot of ways like all of this information that would have been I mean that pushed just, on you yeah taught to you not yeah pushed, so that you could survive me. yeah so that yeah. you could also you know contribute to your community and to your just family like and, all. <laughs> and but now it's like can I afford to learn these things you know yeah, can I yeah definition yeah has changed for sure I yeah. mean what it means to be a citizen yeah I don't know if it's made me I mean for sure being living here has made me sadder as far as my art goes I think but it's also like made me see my art as the potential of being more important because maybe I can be a voice, try to be a voice for all of this. Like, yeah, drawing's interesting. You can say a lot of the drawing, but you have to get really good at illustrating. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting. The idea that you know that your work is your work is sadder, but more informed or yeah. something. I don't think it makes me sadder as a person. I think it makes my art sadder, though, mm -hmm. because there is such a need for reconnecting people to the natural world. Because once they're reconnected, then they care, and then they don't want to destroy it. Yeah, I think that's really huge, is that... Maybe. Yeah, maybe. We can only hope. <laughs> uh, I agree with that, and I have this... Yeah, it's almost... It's hard to explain that. That kind of... Like, because I depend on it I'm gonna try and be good to it whereas if we don't see the connections on a day-to-day -day basis and we don't get how our existence relates to nature at all then we're less likely to even care you know and so yeah it's that sense of if we rely on it if we know that we if we understand how you know like and it can be as simple as like clean water and fresh air yeah, right like pride like, without ownership yeah. No, I mean, climate change is, is, is pretty uh, right there. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't know, maybe there's this like sadness of the immediacy that we need to fix things and change lifestyle choices. That, I don't know, just that it's not happening. And then you look outside and you're like, everything's still and beautiful and fine here <laughs> but it's, yeah but it's not yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's but hard it's, just yeah. knowing that all of this is and even around us i mean we've got the like a pulp mill with illegal standards and we've got clear cuts across the street uh, for that pulp mill and we've got a proposed coal mine oh in no. yeah <laughs> well yeah in terms of art making and you know art with a message um 
specifically about like environmental issues is the idea of how do you how do we make work that that can educate in a way that shows the severity of the situation but also can present does it repel yeah how do we also inspire right i think you just have to show people nature I mean, it's so beautiful. I mean, a lot of the things that I illustrate or like find reoccurring in my work are beautiful things. Mm. And the messages are often very sad. <laughs> but like, I mean, the realities of those, those um, species or flora or whatever, I mean, the reality of nature is that it's very serious and often very sad currently. So when you just, when you show people such beautiful it's almost melancholy because you it's like painfully beautiful because you know it's in peril yet it's inherently gorgeous maybe you can strengthen that connection by just showing people nature mm-hmm. i think that's maybe why i'm drawn to illustrating pretty things or i don't feel like it's light when i'm drawing them but often um my like it's accessible through kind of i guess so i mean i uh, then there, I guess there's another element of just like, I like aesthetically pleasing things. <laughs> I like to do symmetrical drawings. But I think you can like reconnect people through beauty. Mm. And I don't think that all art has to be pretty or anything stupid like that. No, no. But and I, I think that ugly art is just as important. Okay, well this concludes my conversation with Emily Kane. I hope that you all enjoyed it. I wanted to end today by recommending the book Woods Woman by Anne Labastille. It is a book that Emily lent me um, when I was visiting with her. It's about a young ecologist living in a log cabin that she built herself in the Adirondack wilderness, and I've just started it. It's a fantastic read uh, already. If you love to read books about living alone and surviving in the wilderness, I am sure you will enjoy this read. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will see you next Friday. Bye!